Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. On today's episode, we bring in Brad Ballswalk from Twitter, who, you know, puts up a bunch of great clips of minor league action, and he's one of those guys, you know, that watches all those minor league games, so perhaps if you're busy, you don't have to watch all those minor league games. Not that they're not entertaining, but, you know. Anyway, we haven't had a new episode in a while, since probably the start of June, and there just hasn't been that much fun stuff to talk about with the Cubs, but on this episode we talk about uh, just the rebuild in general. Is it going to be a short one or a long one? Hopefully short. Uh, A lot about Ian Happ. Who's been very good, but me and uh, Brad get into a debate about is it time to extend Ian Happ? Do you get some value for him? Would that mean a longer rebuild if you trade him? Just a lot of stuff like that. And then, of course, I ask about the minor leagues, and we really only focus on one player, Matt Mervis, mashing that, who's come out of nowhere to be a pretty decent prospect but of course if you want more prospect coverage from uh brad you can follow him at balls walk and yeah it's you know there haven't been much good to talk about but i'm going to try to do a couple more of these well the uh cubs struggle and definitely do a trade deadline situation i mean hopefully it's not as gut-wrenching at the last trade deadline, but we'll find out. Uh, anyway, you can like and subscribe to my podcast on the Apple Podcast app, which would be great if you could leave a rating and a review on there. Um, it's also on Spotify and Stitcher, a couple other places you can find my podcast. And yeah, without much further ado, here is Brad. Well, Brad, welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm glad to have you on. Thanks for having me, Sean. All right. So I haven't done one of these in about over a month because, well, the Cubs are kind of sad. And there's not much good to say about the big club. I brought you on here because if anyone who follows you on Twitter is well aware, you're um, big on covering the minor leagues. But I thought I would ask you, what do you think about the current state of the Cubs? Do you feel disillusioned? Are you excited for young players in a rebuild? Where are you? I, I don't feel disillusioned. I, this is sort of something that has been coming for a while, and I think we, we all kind of sort of saw it coming for several years leading up to the kind of the end of that, you know, the group. Uh, the World Series group uh, last year, you know, if you really rewind the tape a little bit, you know, I think you sort of saw the organization focusing on 
more and more, I think kind of after 2017, um, after they had already sort of traded off, you know, they'd, they'd already traded off Eloy and Cease and they, uh, a few more guys in that, um, uh, that Tigers trade the next year for, um, for Wilson. And, uh, you know, there was, from that point on, I think you started to see more decisions made where they realized we've got to restock the farm system. They weren't going to sign free agents that were going to give up draft picks. You know, they kind of hit this cliff with the finances where they weren't going to go over the luxury tax three years in a row because they didn't want to get those increased penalties. They didn't want to lose those draft picks. And then, of course, they couldn't extend anyone anyway. So so all those things sort of, you, kept, you just sort of saw it year after year that it looked like they were going to kind of get to the end of, of, um, of 21 and, and either have to blow it up then or, or start up from scratch this year, you know. And I think they sort of got a, got a head start on that. I think the pandemic forced their hand a little bit and, and uh, after 2020 when they traded Darvish, you know, I know there's, you know, there's some, maybe some cover for financial losses there and all that, but that played into that. I think it wasn't strictly a, a baseball decision, but, um, but you started seeing, you know, once Jed took over, okay, they were going to start making decisions that sort of really were, weren't focused on maximum maximizing chances to win this year. So, uh, you know, that, it's go been ahead. Years. It's yeah, been I mean, years. yeah, I think I think it's 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 been a couple of years, and I think they've kind of I think they've been pretty honest at least since Jed took over that they weren't going to devote all of their resources towards winning right now, for, you know, for better or for worse, and and that kind of is what it is. Um, as somebody who who spends a lot of time keeping tabs on the farm system. I enjoy that aspect. I enjoy that team building aspect of it. And for me, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that side of following the team. Um, so, you know, there for several years when the team was up, the farm system was down and it wasn't as much fun to follow the farm system. The, the big league team is down now and it's more fun to follow the farm system. But, um, you know, I kind of feel like to really to not go crazy as a fan, you have to be able to to find the the positives mm-hmm. um, in a situation, and and not just always ride the you know ride the waves of oh for not for not winning everything's terrible. Um, mm-hmm. So I try to keep a positive outlook on on things, anyways. But but you know that's kind of for me. I sort of see where they where they came from. I think it was pretty clear. They couldn't just keep everyone forever from that World Series core. You know, if if it were up to me, I would have preferred they would have kept some guys like Schwarber mm-hmm. um, or Rizzo. I think would have been. I think he he's the one guy who I think would have really helped them this year um, to have to have that big left-handed bat in the lineup um, that they really don't have after Hap. Um, 
there's some things they could have done this year to, to I think, put themselves in a better position. Yes. But I also don't feel like they did nothing. Um, and and the things they did do, they just haven't worked out very well. Mm-hmm. Between injuries to Miley and Stroman and Suzuki, you know, that's just yeah. – we we're where we are. So, yep. Um, I guess that's next year you're hoping that they should be able to have some resources next year. If they really want to, I think they can go for it. But, yeah, I guess it's just a degree, you know. Like, did you want them to totally rebuild? Or, like, even Jed Hoyer, like, he won't say a full rebuild, even though it's very obvious that this is a full rebuild. But I guess that's just... Yeah, and that's such a it's it's you know that term is interesting because you know it, it could you know rebuild could mean yeah we're taking several years we're gonna we're gonna lose as many games as possible and and accumulate draft picks and and accumulate prospects for several years and then you know two three four years down the road we'll we'll you know focus on free agency and start adding guys and. and and that's not really a, that's not really what's happened. It's not really what's happening now. I mean, if you look at last year, this off last past off season, they spent money. They spent money on significant free agents and and mm-hmm. a prime age guy like Suzuki, who it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to go out and sign him, sign him to a five year deal, eighty five million. They're paying him plus the plus the signing or the the posting fee, I think it was over a hundred million total. They, they spent on him. He's got a full node trade clause. So, you know, if there's no intention to win yeah. in that five-year window, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really make sense if, if their goal is just to not be competitive until 2024 or later, you know, by that point you've lost those best years of Suzuki and you can't, you can't trade them. Um, so I, I do, I do see why Jed doesn't want to call it a total rebuild. Mm-hmm. So you think um, it'd be more like, like a quick teardown and then go for it next year. Yeah. I mean, I think they could go for it next year and I, I, I hope they do. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you reshuffle the deck every year. Um, mm-hmm. I think with, with the cards they had at the end of last year, you know, they had all these expiring contracts and they knew where their farm system was and they knew where they'd have to go to, to get back to a certain level of competitiveness the next year, they would have had to have some combination of extending those guys or signing free agents, which could have been done and probably could have been a lot more successful than, than where they are now. The farm system wouldn't have been so great. So they made a... They decided to go build the farm system instead of like keeping those guys and making a quicker run. Yeah, I think they saw an opportunity there to really kind of turbocharge the farm system. You know, it's it's not exactly like in, in that one trade deadline they, you know, completed their rebuild, mm-hmm. but it put them it put them on a path towards you know, really having a system with significant impact prospects who eventually will, I think, you know, play part of a really competitive group of guys. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean 
in the interim, there's no interest in, in building back up. And, and I think what you'll see next year, they'll keep adding pieces next year, similar to what they did last year, I, I would expect. You know, I would expect they, they add some significant pitching, um, at least one guy kind of similar to Stroman or, or, or better if they can. You know, there's never a guarantee, and that's always, that's always a hard part. Yeah. We can say, sign these guys, but... Um, yeah, throw a bunch of money around, but... Yeah, stuff has to fall into place, it's, um, and, and the guys have to want to sign here. But, but yeah, I mean, if they, could, if they sign a significant free agent bat and they sign a significant starting pitcher, you know, some bullpen help, you know, a lot of it depends on what they do yeah. on this, at this deadline with, with Hap and with the guys that are controlled beyond this year. You know, yeah, Wilson, I... Yeah, I was going to say, if they trade Hap, that's probably a sign that they're going to take another year because he would be yeah. hard to replace. And it's such a, and, and that's a, it's a really interesting situation with Hap. It's something I've, I've thought a lot about and gone back and forth on a lot. You know, Hap's a guy that I've, I've always really liked. I really liked him back when they drafted him. He was, he was kind of the guy I wanted them to draft that year. And, and so he's always been sort of a, sort of a, a favorite for me. Uh, and, and I do think he's, he's the kind of player they need to be competitive in the next, you know, three, four years. He's yeah. the right age. He's the right handedness. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, and, um, he's got some like, yeah, all his hitting, you know, the patience, the switch hitting, all of it. It's all finally clicking. Yeah. If, if they, if they trade him, they're going to want to bring in a guy like him. And it's probably going to be at least for 2023, it's going to be more expensive to bring in a similar player. You know, he's got one more RB year. I don't know what he's going to make maybe 10 or 10 million or so, maybe a little more. Um, now extending him is a, a different calculation. If they do want to extend him, it's probably going to take something similar to what they're paying Suzuki, I would think um, they're the same age. Um, Hap's got a longer record in, in in the major leagues, at least. And he's he's outperforming him this year, so it would be hard for for the Cubs to go with to him with extension offers that are less right. than what they what they paid Suzuki to come over from Japan without any you know major league track record. Um, certainly he had a lot of success in Japan that, that justified that contract. And you would and, think like they would have to be very, it would have to be a very substantial offer to trade him. I would hope. Yeah. And, and I don't think they're going to just trade him to trade him. They yeah. don't need, they don't need to cut salary per se. You know, they, they're, they're going to have a low payroll next year going into the off season anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's about there's really two things that would drive it. One is one is, yeah, he's only got one more year of control and maybe they don't want to extend him and have a lot of money locked up in two corner outfield spots. I, I think that I think that's part of it. Um, kind of the bigger part of it is that their 40 man situation. Um, if you look at it now, if you look at the outfielders on their 40 man roster, um, I've got it in front of me here. They've got they've got nine nine guys on their forty man roster, including Hermosillo, who's on this on the six today IL, so he doesn't count. But um, one of those guys is uh, Alexander Canario, who's in Double A, 
he's probably not going to be up maybe mid he could be up by mid season next year if things things click but he's not somebody you're going to to depend on now some of those guys won't be there Hermosillo probably won't be there next year unless he comes back and has some sort of huge second half which I'm a big Hermosillo fan but I don't I don't know that that's going to happen um they're locked into Suzuki. They've got Morel looking like he could be a part of the, the outfit going forward. But then they've got Brennan Davis, who they hope, you know, hopefully gets back on the field. Uh, they're, they're hope, they, the talk is that he should be hopefully returning to play in August. So, so he might finish out the rest of this year in the minors and, and he could be in line to start next year. But, but with the Rule 5 draft, um, yeah, exactly. yeah. So they're going to have to add uh, Brennan to the 40-man roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also probably going to have to add Kevin Alcantara. Mm-hmm. Um, Alcantara, I, I knew I was going to mess his name up, but uh, yeah. you got to put the accent in the right place. Um, they're probably going to have to add him. Well, I would, I would not want to leave him on prediction in the Rule 5 draft. He's, he's a top 100 prospect now. He's all, he's all the way down low A. But that's they, just, they wouldn't be able to. They have to – that would be bad if they lost him. Yeah, the, they, they would not want to lose the key return for Anthony Rizzo uh, in the Rule 5 draft. So, so he's going to be added. And he, so that's another outfield along with Canario who's not going to be immediately available to play in, in the majors. Um, the other guy that – I don't know, um, Johendrik Pinyango. I mean, he's he's barely 20 years old. He's hitting very well in in high A. Probably going to be getting a look in Double A this year. Um, and I think he's really just tapping into some of his tools, some of his power. I think he's a guy they're going to want to protect. I don't know. He's a little bit on the fringe of what another team draft him and keep him on the roster you know, majors, yeah. all year you know that's always the rub with the with the rule five draft maybe he could slip through but um but do they want to take a chance i think he's somebody that probably is a significant enough prospect that you don't want to risk that um so so that's three guys that, that they're going to be possibly carrying thinking that you're in this scenario we're pretty sure that they released Jason Hayward to clear up the roster spot. I mean, because that's yeah, your left. I think you're going to have to, and 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 I think I think it's going to be easier to do that after this year. You know, when he's just got got the one year left. Yeah, especially the way this year's gone, I, I don't think it's it's not going to be controversial for them to let him go. I, I think he. I'm, I'm sure he doesn't want to be let go, but but it it would probably be easier to part ways at that point um after the season um so you know all that to say they so for left field going forward next year you know assuming they keep ortega which he's another guy they could trade but but he's also cheap and productive and works well in a platoon situation if they want to platoon him with morale you know in center field until brennan's ready next year you know i think they can i think they've kind of got you know, Morel, Ortega, Suzuki, and then they've got Velasquez who who could hold down a spot in the outfield. They've got Narciso Crook. You know, we'll see um, 
how much time he gets in the second half. But they could give those guys a lot of time, you know, assuming they trade half, they would they could give those guys more of an audition down the stretch and kind of see where those those guys are before having to make a decision, do they need to sign somebody to, to cover left field next year? And, and there's a few options. I mean, there's uh, Michael Conforto that they could could go out and bring him in. He'd be a similar option to have. Um, you know, he's older. He's going he's coming off a lost year and, and an injury and, and wasn't so good last year. So, you know, that's, that's a risk. You know, I, I think the safest thing for a competitive team is to have, is have, to just Hap. have Hap there. Yeah, um, okay. you're naming me a lot of options that aren't as good as half this year. Right. But, you're, you're looking at hoping one of those young guys <laughs> steps up and clicks uh, or hoping you can find that production on the on, in free agency, which is, is possible. And, yeah, possible yeah. and left field in general is just an easier spot to find a bat for. Um, so, I mean, I, that all makes sense in the sense that left field's somewhat easy to fill whether internally or through free agency, it would be trading from depth. And let's say you can get a significant starting pitching prospect um, or, or even, you know, there might be some creative trades where they take on salary. You know, we've, there's been a lot of speculation about the Padres, you know, Ian Snell's a name that's been floated as a, as a, a way the Padres may want to move salary to get under the luxury tax. You know, they could, they could trade half for Snell and another prospect or something like that and pay half salary and, you know, take on Snell. And then, then you've got another rotation piece, you know, for next year where it's a lot easier to, to slide guys over to, to fill left field. So, I'm sure those are all the things they're thinking about, along with just the fact that Hap is most likely at his highest trade value right now. Um, so that's the calculus. I think that's the calculus much more than, well, are we going to be competitive next year or not? It's, it's what do they have in their hand right now that they can use to improve the organization long-term and yeah. short-term and, and that may be keeping happy, it may be trading happen. And I think that's what they're exploring. So, you know, I'd love to see them stick, stick around. I'd love to see them extended. But at the end of the day, I'll, I'll understand if, if they have a good deal for him, I'll understand if they make that deal. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's the rough part. <laughs> yes. You know, we are fans of these guys. We, we, we like watching them play. So um, the GM's job is to be, to not necessarily be a fan um, yeah. and, and to make those decisions that he thinks are, are best for the, for the organization. But, um, you know, so at some point you got to balance those things a little bit too, maybe, um, yeah. it's really too bad. They couldn't have extended any of those yes. you know, guys from the last window. Um, and I think they probably wanted to, um, we know they were close with Baez at one point they were close with, well, they at least were trying with Rizzo, um, going into last season and we know how that ended up, but yeah. Um, but, but I think they, I think enough positives are coming out of this season to where you can sort of see, you know, there's a group of guys who, who are coming together. Yeah. 
you know, right now who can be part of a good team next year. If you add a little bit more. Right. Um, you know, it's really, I mean, it's huge that, I don't know, Justin Steele's getting hit around a little bit tonight, but um, that Steele and, and Thompson at least look like they're going to be capable rotation pieces going forward. Yes. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see because they're getting, they're both getting to the point where they've pitched a lot of innings and they haven't pitched a lot of innings the last few years. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see them back off those two guys down the stretch a good bit. Um, but at least we've seen them, you know, learn to pitch deep in the games, you know, get good lineups out. You know, yeah. we've seen, you know, Keegan pitching great against the Dodgers. <laughs> you know, we've seen them, you know, we've seen those guys look really good. Um, we've seen them both incorporate new pitches this year. You know, those things are big that they're able to do that with guys who, who weren't necessarily viewed as, um, you know, high-end starting prospects. You know, they were prospects, but um, being right. able to get guys over the, head, over the hump um, yeah. and successfully pitching in the majors is, is huge. So, yep. All right. So, um, I will ask you about the minor leagues a little bit. Because, of course, um, this podcast is more about the actual Cubs, but I do like to talk a little bit about the yeah. minor leagues. Well, they're so, the future Cubs. So, <laughs> all right. So, I'll ask you because everyone hears about everybody, but um, one position player that maybe isn't on everybody's radar yet, do you feel pretty good about? Well, I mean, the one guy, and I think he's getting on people's radar, you know, at least if they follow me probably and, and, and a few other people, but, but the guy who's, I think, done the most this year to put himself on the radar is Matt Mervis. Mm-hmm. Um, he's... 24, a pure first base prospect in his really his second full pro season. And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't setting the world on fire last year. He was a, he was an undrafted free agent in the shortened 2020 draft. Mm-hmm. He would have, he would have probably gone somewhere in a normal draft year. He, he would have been drafted and he would have probably gotten a significant bonus, but he he was a senior sign um didn't he was at duke and he didn't actually um he was a pitcher for his, his first two full seasons there i believe um started to hit more you know he was two-way but he started to focus more on hitting i think as a junior so he he wasn't somebody who i don't think was um you know on draft radars as a junior but then he went to the cape cod league and, and hit really well there, which is, which is always a big thing. It's a, you know, a wood bat league with a lot of the top college um, players go play there in the summer. Um, and then had a senior year at Duke washed out with the, with the pandemic. So he hadn't really hit a lot. Um, he was seen as a, a guy with good power. And I think last year, a lot of us thought, Oh, he'll, he'll probably hit well in the low minors and, um, and, you know, we sort of expected him to be able to, to hit a little bit because, because he, he definitely showed power um, 
in the past, but, but he struggled last year and no one really, I don't really know why. Um, just, just wasn't hitting like you expect. And then, so he was a little bit off radars this year, I think, uh, got promoted up to high a and just crushed it for a month, six weeks. Yeah. And then, you know, with those older, older guys below double a, you're, you're always like, well, let's, let's just wait till they get to double a and we'll, we'll see what they're doing there. And so he got promoted, I think kind of mid May, um, up to double a, and he's just kind of kept, kept mashing as, as the name goes. And the thing that's exciting to me about him is the way he's doing it. He's, he's got an ISO isolated slugging over 300, which, which that's, you know, that's really good. Yes. Um, you know, that's, that's basically that's subtracting your batting average from your slugging percentage. So any that's that's basically just counting your extra base hits. So um, he's got you know slugging over six hundred, yeah. and he's doing it with a strikeout rate that's below twenty five percent for the year. It was twenty four percent in high. It's twenty one percent in double A right now. Um, so he doesn't strike out a ton, and that if you dig down a little farther and look at the splits. I think most of his strikeouts are coming against left-handers. He's, he's a left-handed batter. You know, there's there's some platoon risk for him there, but at least against right-handers, you know, he's not striking out. He's he's hitting the ball. He's got 13 home runs and uh, under 50 games in Double A. Yeah, 20 on the year. He's leading the system. He's one of the highest. He's by weighted runs created plus. He's he's been one of the best players in the entire minor leagues this year. Um, and the other thing that I love about him is he hits the ball in the air. Um, he has a really low ground ball rate. It's 26% in double A. Uh, hits a lot of line drives. Um, Especially with um, the players up on the Cubs right now who seem to have a lot of ground balls. That's yeah, a- the, the Cubs kind of went from, from being the sort of three true outcomes organization to somehow along the way becoming, you know, we're going to hit the ball on the ground a lot um and they're trying to balance that contact with strikeout situation which you know guys like magical we've seen struggle with they just they just hit the ball on the ground a lot which isn't ideal but mervis at least in double a you know he's he's getting the ball in the air he's not striking out a lot the walks aren't through the roof but they're he's over seven percent i mean he he, he has a good idea at the plate, I think. And he's starting to get some buzz from some national um, outlets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think BA, uh, Baseball America, maybe uh, called him uh, maybe the Cubs' best pure p- power hitter or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's he looks legit. We'll see. We'll see when he gets to AAA. He doesn't have to be added to the 40-man roster until after next season. So I don't know how much they'll push him. They don't have to push him up to AAA this year. I'm sure they don't want to use a 40-man spot on him. If they have more room, if they didn't have such a crunch in terms of other prospects that they have to add, I would I would be tempted to say, hey, give him a shot in Chicago down the stretch and see if you have somebody who could be your first baseman next year. Yeah. Which is a position of need, right? You know, they're not getting any power out of the position now. 
Um, you're basically looking at Rivas and Schwindel as as his competition there. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do as he moves up. Um, and, and I, I would say, but we could see him next year. I'm sure at almost any time, if he, if he keeps us up, yeah. um, depending on what they do with, with free agency and first base, there's, there's not a lot of first base options on the free agent market this, this winter. Um, at least not that I could necessarily see them paying a lot of money to, um, so, so having him coming up could be, could be pretty big and, and you just never know some, you know, sometimes guys catch helium and then they, they hit another level and, and they, um, slow down, but yep. I, I, I kind of see him, he kind of reminds his rise kind of reminds me of Wilson Contreras back in 2015 or or so when he started to take off as a prospect in double a when when no one had really seen it coming so you know the peripherals look good if we can we'll get, see if we can get that that'd be pretty good yeah yeah so so i think he's he's kind of the, the big one um well to watch right now and he's under the radar so there's certainly bigger names that mm-hmm. that i think uh, we'll be seeing soon but yeah well we're out of time now but this has been great, and uh, you know we can get all this great minor league con- content from you on your Twitter feed. Let everyone know what where they can find you. Yeah, it's uh, Brad at Ball Squawk. Um, that's where I am. I don't <laughs> can't find me anywhere else. Don't have a website. Don't have a don't have a Patreon. Don't have any of that stuff to to promote. But but Twitter's free, so you can find me there. Yep, and it's good. Good stuff. I follow it. You get lots of minor league updates. If you want to know, like, someone hits a home run, <laughs> they clip of it from Brad. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. You'll you'll see it either from me or from somewhere else. But we'll make you know. It's nice to fill that gap for people. I'm sure not everyone uh, enjoys obsessively following five games at once in one night. So it's it's kind of nice to have it pushed into your feed. I'm sure, but. Um, yeah. But it's it's a it's a fun hobby and uh, yep, it's like I'm um, glad you enjoy it. A few good men are <laughs> on that wall, so we don't have to be. That's right. Five games at once. You can follow me on Twitter at sth85. You can email the podcast at holycowpod at gmail And yeah, I'm gonna try to do some more episodes. You know, as the Cubs try to find some positives in the season and we'll do a trade deadline podcast. And yeah, I just hopefully things will keep getting better and either way, go Cubs. <laughs>